0: Hello everybody and welcome to the newest episode of As the Pin Turns. I think this is episode number 6. 6 it is. I am Brad with the Mythic Pen Company and as always I got my co-host here with me,
1: Jason with Jason Neal Penworks. Well, I can't even say my name. Jason Neal. You'll say that again. Penworks. There we go.
0: <laughs> Jason with Jason Neal Pinworks. Yeah, how's it going, dude?
1: Good man. How are you?
0: Uh, you know, I'm good. Uh, as as many of my followers have seen, I've been working on my new shop upstairs and my back is. Yeah, they're
1: wondering when you're going to be a pin maker. Again.
0: You know, I I made one last night, so I did actually finish one, and it and it showed me that I needed to rearrange a few things. I need to tweak a few things. Of course, there's going to be a settling in period. You know.
1: Oh yeah, like I said last time, it wrecks your workflow for a while.
0: Yes, it does. I had no idea where my tools were, and you know how that's <laughs> gonna that's gonna drive me insane if I can't just go. Oh, there it is. You know. So, but what I've realized mainly is that at at 42 years old, my back. Cannot take the beating that it could when I was 22. Um, pulling things,
1: <laughs> Funny pulling
0: very heavy things up 14 stairs to the to the upstairs is not fun. Um, so, yeah.
1: Other than that. Well, especially when it's by yourself. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Other than that, not too bad. Uh, like I said, actually got a pin made last night. So, uh, you nice. know, that was good. It feels... It just feels different in the new shop because it's not just a wooden framed building in the yard like my other one was. You know, it's got some insulation. There's some rigidity to it. There's a different feel in there. It feels like official, like I'm actually making things in there now. So (laughs) You're legit. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've made it. (laughs) But, yeah, that's about it. Uh just trying to get that ready to go. I got to put the door on. That's the last structural part I have to do is install the door, but I'm waiting to move a couple of larger things in before I put the door up because I'm going to beat the crap out of the door um by moving those in. What have you been up to?
1: Um, <laughs> trying to catch up as usual. Uh, finally got some time off over the new years and got some new stock pins in the works, some commissions nice. as well. Getting that in uh um funny enough as I was listening to last episode Uh, that we did i'm slowly converting all of my drill bits to metric
0: one of us one of us (laughs) one of us i knew
1: it even well you know when we were talking about it, i was like oh that's kind of cool i'm gonna stick with what i got and then i listen to the podcast and i'm thinking about it like oh wow that would be nice if if you know it's you know a 10 millimeter hole just grab your 10 millimeter bit right and you don't have to you know me sitting up there with my calipers going oh, i think this one's pretty close my 7 16th bit's about you know whatever you <laughs> like you moron <laughs>
0: well 10 millimeter <laughs> starts with t so let's grab a t bit let's try it you know I mean,
1: <laughs> see what happens but yeah so i did that ordered a bunch of stuff for that um so that'll be coming in
0: are you keeping victor machinery in in, in oh my gosh in we food and yeah. clothing for now
1: the best part is i was tracking it on a spreadsheet like I do. You know me. So I want to say, okay, what am I going to spend? And I must have missed a couple numbers there because then when I got the total on Victor, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's a lot more than I thought it was going to be. That happens every time. And it's never their mistake. It's our mistake. No. Yeah, exactly. Because we just put way too much in the shopping cart. (laughs) Well, you're you're at that point and uh, you're like, well, shoot, my information is in. I might as well just do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I've already taken the time to put in the address and the credit card and all that good stuff. So might as well hit Okay,
1: um, but I I went in and did it uh, for my because I'm doing 14 mil threads and then I ordered some 15 mil now. Cool, so I have some really big ones. And for that one, I'm working on. I get a lot, not a lot of flack. I won't say flack. I get a lot of weird comments when I say oh, I'm going to work on an eyedropper version. And they're like, well, don't you just not put the converter in and you just fill it with ink? like, well, <laughs> you can do that. You know, yeah, I actually have you- someone. There's someone out there. Um, she did that and actually it worked. She she tried it out and it hasn't leaked yet yeah it should crossed.
0: work fine as long as you're you know if the if the tolerances on the section are good and you're using a little grease right. if if it's a little you know you can use some silicone grease on there but but you drill your bodies a little bit differently you step drill them more to to yep. follow the contours of the converter correct where Cause i
1: like a little more weight on the pen
0: i just friggin headlong <laughs> all the way to the end of the body with a big drill bit so you know and Typically, any of them for the for the listeners out there, any of your pins, as long as the the tolerances on the section thread into the body are good, and the yeah. material is good, you should be able to make an eyedropper. But now, when we're talking about these eyedropper fill, there are some things that we can do to make them specifically eyedropper fill different. I mean, yeah. You know, Jason, if you don't, if you're not doing like the step drill like you normally did, or you can take a boring bar inside the pin. If you're on a metal lathe type situation, you can take it and go on the inside of the body and actually cut it out bigger than you would have right. with the drill bit. You just have to go past the section threads and all that stuff. But so they're asking for an eyedropper fill, right?
1: Yeah, and so I'm uh, working on that. Going to be kind of my own take on an eyedropper. and yeah, So, I'm but I needed to do the 15 mil thread because it's not going to. It's going to have to be pretty big.
0: Well, if you want to, you know, if you want to have a good, goodly sized, yeah, reservoir for ink.
1: Um, well, it's, ultimately, I wanted to do that anyway because I, I just don't like converters. <laughs> I prefer having a large volume of ink. Yeah, yeah. So. I, you know, and and I
0: like that as well. I one of my favorite pens that I keep around all the time is my Opus eighty eight Demonstrator, yeah. mm-hmm. and it just holds a massive amount of ink. But a lot of people don't want to commit to writing with that ink for a long enough period of time not to have to dump it out and refill it. You know, so And I think that's, that's a lot of it where it comes down right. to. Um, but there's a lot of testing that goes into it on our part, too, for an eyedropper. Because you've got to make sure. I know, was it James, I think, with Bone Crusher? Just put something on Instagram where he was testing a new material for an eyedropper fill. I think he, had, he tested it with some water. You've got you to make sure they don't leak.
1: Yeah, you got to make sure.
0: Um silicone grease can only go so far.
1: Yeah, the, I'm going to try and implement some O-rings. Okay. You uh, know, that way you're kind of insured that you're sealed off the right way.
0: I thought about that. I was in Harbor Freight the other day, you know, another one of the pen maker's favorite places to go because <laughs> um I don't know if you've if any of the listeners have figured this out by listening to us, but there are some times where we're really cheap. <laughs> 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 you know, we we say don't cheap out on your tools to this point, you know, but there are some things where you can just be cheap, you know, and right. little ancillary things or whatever. But I was walking through Harbor Freight and I walked by that rack of the cases with the O-rings and the nuts and bolts and all those little organizer things you can yep. buy. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a metric set of O-rings real quick while I was there. Because I thought, Jason, I was like, we just talked about this not long ago. And and I was like, I'm going to get some O-rings because I've got some ideas yeah, I've got some ideas with o-rings. I'm going to leave it at that for right now. A little <laughs> mystery out there about it. How's that going with the design process though?
1: I've pretty much only sketched it out cuz I'm um, to the point that um it works in my head and now I got to actually, you know, try it out. So that's that um was the reasoning for the massive for me uh, Victor order. <laughs> <laughs> And I still, after I ordered it, I was going through the numbers and checking some other stuff. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot some bit. So I had to order them from somewhere else just so I could get them around the same Every time. time. I was like,
0: dang it. Every time. I just ordered some 8.2 millimeter bits. And I had to order them on Amazon yep. because I, it was, I only needed two or three. And I didn't want to hit Victor because they have that $25 yep. minimum. And I knew if I hit that $25 <laughs> it minimum, it would be $200 <laughs> in. Yeah. And and so I needed 8.2 bits for the, um, I think I'm going to use an 8.2 on my box sections because an 8.5 is just a little bit bigger than I want it to be. I think the okay. the body yep. of the box housing is 7.97 or something or almost eight. So I want to do a, um, I was talking to Sean Allott and he uses, I think it's a P bit.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: And I think it's right at about 8 to 8.2. So that'll leave the shoulder at the top of the housing a little bit more grip. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm not going to inset it. I'm going to leave it flush to the top. I'm not going to inset it. Like I do the Yovos typically, because it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's less work and it makes the section more rigid. Okay. Our, the, the person that we're interviewing here is, is muted in the zoom call right now, but he's making all kinds of obscene gestures in the video and we're seeing this and it's, it's making it kind of hard to concentrate. So, um, On that note, you want to go ahead and introduce the guy? Might as
1: well. (laughs) So
0: everybody knows that our even-numbered episodes at this point are going to be interview episodes. Uh, This is our third interview? Yeah. Number six, right?
1: Third interview. Six
0: divided by two is three. Public school math paid off. All right. (laughs) So today, and let me go ahead and and unmute him, because last time, when when we had Crusack on here, it took a second to unmute. Let me see. Ask to unmute. Can I not just unmute? (laughs) I'll ask to unmute. Let me press that button. So um, today on the podcast, we have our uh, resident mad scientist of the southeastern part of the U.S. is what I like to say. Um, And I'm sure everybody's there was a little bit of a tip off on Instagram (laughs) yesterday. Just
1: a little. Tiny, tiny little one. As to who
0: our next guest is going to be. So we've got Jonathan Brooks with us on the program of the Carolina Pin Company. How's it going, man?
2: <laughs> How's it going, Brad Jason? <laughs>
0: hey, it unmuted. Awesome.
2: Well, I had to give you permission to unmute me.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, we, see, we see who's really in charge <laughs> here, right? <laughs> We're not running this show at all. How's it going up in yeah. South Carolina, man?
2: Oh, it's not too bad. It's been a pretty good day.
0: What is it? Is today sun? Yeah, Sunday, right? Sunday. Today's
2: Sunday.
0: Wow, i it's that period after Christmas. I keep seeing these memes on Instagram about the period after Christmas when you just don't know how, what day it is.
2: Yeah. Yep, Yep. tomorrow's like the official, everybody's back to work. You know, the world yep. will restart starting tomorrow and <laughs> we'll see how it goes.
0: So, um, yeah, uh, you're up in Aiken, South Carolina, right?
2: Yeah, right on the Georgia border. I am, if you follow the golf, I am 10 minutes from the Masters Golf Course. Nice.
0: Last time I went up there, I, I realized that Aiken looks a lot like where I am in Georgia. Uh it it the the landscape, except it's there's hills. Where I am in Middle Georgia, in this portion of Middle Georgia, there's not as many hills. Very nice town. I like it up there. It's 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 a really cool place.
2: It's a big little town. Um small feel, you know, it it's not so small everybody knows everybody, but it's still small enough to where you just don't get overcrowded at all the restaurants. Well, when you can go to restaurants and you know yeah. all the places downtown, things like that. You know, there's enough to go around. Where it's just not. <laughs> yeah. You know, traffic isn't bad. Things like that. It's perfect. We love it. It's close enough to all the big stuff we want to do, far enough away to maintain a little bit of a quiet life. And Brad, as you know, we're out in kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You know where, you know it's nice and quiet.
0: I like that about it. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of like that where I am. You know, there's I keep I keep making jokes about it. There's 600 people in the town that I live in. You know, and I love it. It's nice and quiet. Uh, you know, up there when I, last time I came up, I got out of the car and you just you don't hear anything. I like that.
2: Yeah, it's it's it gets a little eerie at times where you just you know you'd be sitting in the end of the garage working and uh I there's only three neighbors within you know eyesight nice and when their kids get on from school i can hear them playing in the backyard every so often and i keep thinking you know what's what's going on out there is everybody okay but they're just playing and stuff like that and i'm i'm just it's so quiet and all of a sudden you hear all this screaming of little kids playing and stuff oh, yeah that's right <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it gets that way here. It'll be super quiet. And, you're, you're st- and then you hear this loud like explosion. We hear explosions a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. And and we have a gas. It's like a refinery, not a refinery. It's more of a, I want to say it, it, there's a pipeline convergence or something where they fill trucks, the the oh, yeah. liquid propane, the big semi trucks. And they've got this, the you know the overflow pipe or the blow off pipe or whatever it is that oh, yeah. that shoots the forty foot flame every time it ignites. Man, you can feel it for miles, and we're only just over a quarter mile from that
1: pipe. Oh, yeah. So yeah,
0: when it goes off, you can you can tell. And then that you know I expect is like is Rick, are Rick and Carl going to kick in the door here in a second? Oh my and, gosh! You know some it's, it's going to be some like zombies and stuff walking around. It's too quiet.
2: Yeah, we have a uh, a nuclear facility not too far away from us, and we always joke, you know, if something goes wrong, (laughs) we're going to see a flash, and then we ain't going to worry about it.
0: No, there's not going to be any suffering or anything, no. no. Yeah.
2: Yeah. uh, So we have that, and then, you know, people who live next to uh, airports or right over the flight paths, they hear planes all day long. We don't have that per se. We actually have, there's a drag strip (laughs) maybe five miles away, but you know, they say as Jeez. the crow flies, it's only so many miles, it's still a lot closer. And so, Thursday through Sunday, as long as the weather holds up, you hear nothing but revving engines nice all night long. Which One is, of those
0: nice, cold, crisp nights, you can just hear you can almost hear the tires gripping the pavement, probably.
2: Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. It's and just like when you live next to anything else, loud and busy, you get used to it.
0: Oh, my gosh. So why don't we get into some questions here?
2: Yeah, aren't we pin makers? Yep. I mean,
0: well, you know, you're you're the full time guy out of the three of us. We're what, Jason? What do we call it? The uh, part time, full time, part time, full time makers. Yep. Um. So I know you've told the you've told the story before, um. But we have to start. There has to be a beginning point with a question kind of thing, right? So what what originally got you started in pin making to begin with?
2: Uh, the origin story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's It's going to be a new movie. It's just going to be like Jonathan. So
2: I have a very similar uh, starting as Jason, actually, because I believe it was your grandfather that had the lathe, brought it out, and you guys started working on that together. Yeah. Um, Yep. My grandfather, so my father's father, um, he was a woodworker, built furniture, and he had a lathe in his workshop. Now, granted, I am... You know, he passed away when I was 10 years old. So every weekend, you know, right after school, I would go from my house to his house and spend every weekend there. And we go into his little wood shop and I'd be his little helper. You know, I I didn't get to do too much as far as using the machinery, obviously, because I'm 10. Um, And this is back in the, you know, early 90s. So safety wasn't, you know, paramount for most people at that
0: point. (laughs) It was safety fifth then, not safety third like it is (laughs) now. Yeah, I don't
2: don't remember wearing safety glasses at any point in time. Um, But he had all his fingers. I still have all mine. So, you know, we survived. (laughs) And like I said, he had a a wood lathe, and he would do spindles for chairs, tables, things like that. And I just remember that uh, from being – I have very few memories of being a kid. And those, those are some of the ones that I still have. So fast forward, geez, he passed when I was 10, a good 20 years almost. And I just got the bug. I got to thinking about, a, you know, a lathe and what can be done on it. Started Googling and YouTubing and I saw bull turning. Like, okay, that was like fun, <laughs> you know, because I didn't, I, I knew I didn't want to build tables and chairs right. and flat work. So I got I looked up bowl turning and just so happened to have a a store, a mom and pop store similar to a woodcraft that was in Columbia, South Carolina. So about an hour and a half drive away. And they had classes. Called them up to ask if I could sign up for the class for bowl turning. And they said, Well, it's not for three more months for that class. Do you have lathe experience? I said, No, not really. They said, Well, we have a pin making class this weekend. That we recommend you look into just to get your feet wet to see if lathe work is something you want to get into because bolt turning is a bit more technical yeah. as far as using the hand tools. And, and, you know, me and my girlfriend, now wife, uh, we both said, Well, okay, let's go check it out. And that week and that first it was a two day class. The first day it was a you know, your typical slim line kit on um, <laughs> yep. acrylic. And we still have the pins. Oh wow. Hers is hers is actually quite well made. Um not the whole waspish, you know, waspy shape or the big, you know, the big bulges and stuff like that. Mine has this giant bulb near the <laughs> near the nib end. and skinny oh, yeah. the rest of the way And uh no, I'm sorry. The first day was wood pins. Wood pin was the first was day one, and mine was horrible. I mean, I got the wood so thin you can see the brass tube through the wood. Nice. Oh <laughs> it that it's a feature. Yeah, and it's you know,
1: custom. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: the guy who was, the guy who taught that class was the owner of the store, and he was pretty good. He 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 knew his stuff, obviously, but. You know, he taught things kind of like how my dad teaches things, hold the flashlight better and just watch and do as I do. I won't explain a whole lot. You just copy. Day two had a different instructor. His name was Hans and Hans and I, Hans and I became really close friends and still are today. And he taught uh, the acrylic side of turning. Nice. And uh, Hans is a pastor who actually, you know, over, The overtime and our friendship and everything, he's actually the guy who presided over our wedding.
1: Oh, that's awesome!
2: So, we you know, there's a long lasting friendship there and everything. And that, so I think it was a Friday, Saturday class. Friday was wood, Saturday was acrylic. And after buying, or I'm sorry, after uh, finishing the acrylic side of things, we bought I don't know how many thousands of dollars worth of (laughs) products. So, they really did. I mean, we bought the lathe, as many kits as possible, all the turning tools, drill drill press, drill bits, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I still have the lathe. It's over 10 years old Um, because this is 2008, I believe, when we uh, did this. And it just was going to be a little hobby. And how many hobbies turn into full time jobs <laughs> now? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Who would have you thought? You know, and um, it seems like you went about it the right way. You actually learned something <laughs> before you started. <laughs>
2: I learned is the machine spins something really fast and you poke it with a sharp. Yeah,
0: sword. and don't touch this part or that part. Uh, you know,
2: yeah, don't stick your finger in in this area and you'll be okay. That thank
0: God it. for collet chucks because I don't know how many times I've touched the collet chuck on the wood lathe and it, it's not as bad as touching the chuck on the metal lathe.
1: It's much more forgiving.
2: <laughs> I think we used the four jaw ch- three or four jaw chucks during the class. Oh wow. So you learn really quick where not to put your knuckles.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think I've got a couple of scars.
2: Yeah. yeah, you learn real fast where not to put your hands.
1: Yeah, I have a three-jaw chuck that I don't really use much anymore because of that. <laughs> yeah. The four-jaw was okay because usually you're working within, you're not really in that area where the teeth are. At least I wasn't, or The the jaws rather. Uh, but the 3 jaw was so, big enough cuz it really it wasn't meant to be used for a wood lathe but it fits my wood lathe and so i used that for correct. a while and man that'll beat you up <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly and you have to you know be careful you have to make sure you lock it down right otherwise it can come loose on yeah. the you know All the little fun things. So they don't really teach you, teach you. You just learn when it happens not to let it happen again. <laughs> you,
0: you start to learn that particular squeal that the live center gets when it's a little too loose and everything starts to, you know, you get that death wobble in the blank. You know? yeah, so, oh, yeah.
2: Sure. Yes. Yeah, so you, you, when you go to turn off the lathe and you feel the vibration, you're like, that thing's unscrewing. It's, le- it's going to go somewhere. Yeah, buddy. Tuck and, and
1: cover. It. <laughs> so did you – um, stick to the kit pens for a while or what was that time frame before you kind of chose the, the bespoke or kit list path?
2: So it's actually funny because, uh, I stayed with kit pens for a little while, uh, maybe, I don't know, a couple years, two, three years. And I didn't really, I wasn't making them to sell them. Um, I was just making them just for the sheer fun of it. Yeah. Um, which thankfully I can get paid for doing the same exact thing now. <laughs> right. Uh, but, uh, I hated acrylics at that back then. And I only wanted to work with wood. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm the exact opposite. Now you'll, you know, you might catch me on my deathbed wanting to turn to <laughs> <laughs> you know things, things are, things have evolved for sure. But the, uh, uh, let's see the transition period. It went from, you know, turning a you know a kit pin here and there, and it was never fountain pens. Never fountain pens. Okay. Ball yeah. Pens and roller balls. Um, I was a member of the IAP forum. Mm-hmm. Um Still am. Just not very active anymore.
0: I need to get more active on there. I think I I, I joined, but I haven't posted a whole lot. Yeah. I have an account.
2: Yeah, and that's a lot of people are lookers, and they don't really get too in depth on the conversational side of things. You know, it, it's had its heyday, I'll say. You know, today it's a lot of old timers not letting new ideas yeah. have any val- you know any validation. So there's a lot of headbutting, but at the same you know, that's going to happen. It, Still a wealth of information. It's still worth a look into. It's very useful. It has its purpose. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You just got to learn how to keep scrolling sometimes and not get baited into the uh, argument. I think
1: I made one post. It was one of my first. I think it was one of my first kitless pins I made. And I made one post and all everybody did was tell me what I could do different for the pin and how to take better photos. And I was like, oh. I wasn't really going for that, but thanks.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, usually they say ask for the critiques, and then you can receive, you know. then Yeah, then
1: I didn't even ask for that one.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, uh, it was a freebie. It's no like time. my tire's flat. What do I do? And somebody's like, man, your windshield is dirty as hell. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, but, you know, <laughs> one thing I have found is that uh, it's it's a lot better than the Googles when you're asking a question about something. You can find oh. If you go straight to IEP and and search, you can find a lot more information than you could just searching through a normal search engine like you just pull it up and go.
2: Yeah, I think they started 2004, 2005, and they have a library of um, dedicated uh, content as well as the search function, which goes all the way back to that time frame. So there's a lot of information on there. There's... Anything you want to, and it's not just kit pens, kitless stuff, um, machining to some degree, blank making, uh, segmenting. It's a wealth of information. It's just the pol- you know, just like with everything else, the politics and the stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at Instagram and everything that we're a part of all the time. There's always going to be some sort of, uh, I, I guess, friction might yeah, be the best,
2: exact
0: kind of term for it. So IAP, did that, did that play into your decision or?
2: A little bit, just only because that was. This is before their Facebook, you know, groups were available and other other sources of information. So it just kind of went from seeing what other guys were doing. Uh, one of those people in particular was uh, Brian Gray of Edison. Um, I don't remember what year he started Edison, but it was right around the same time frame I was getting into the pin making and starting into IAP. So I got to see a lot of his work. And there was only, I don't know, maybe half dozen or so people doing the fully custom pins at that point. Wow. And so a lot of us saw that as, you know, the next evolution, the next challenge as far as skill sets. And that's kind of what led me to go down that path was I just wanted to do it for the sheer challenge. Um, But before I even got into the uh, bespoke kitless custom, whatever term you want to throw at it. side of things i started into the casting of my own materials just because you know i grew tired of wood and i absolutely cannot stand what they call store-bought acrylics
1: yeah Um, yeah
2: i hate having my stuff look like everybody else's yeah so
0: well that you know and that makes a lot of sense i find myself a lot of times in life in general just um wanting I don't like having to purchase something all the time that's pre-prescribed, you know, pre-prescribed that I like, I I tweak it, I change it, I'll customize it when I get it. Um, I've always thought that about, you know, like my shop, houses, you know, whatever. Um, and, and And that makes, you know, that makes a lot of sense. You be able to. Start from ground zero with something that you like more, something that you enjoy more. That's going to make you more creative. You know, if you if you cast your own material that you enjoy casting more than buying the store bought stuff, that's going to make you more creative as you go through the process.
2: Absolutely, and uh, a term I'll use fairly often today with you guys is, are the words "what if." Yep. Um, as that's the question I ask myself all the time. What if I do this? What if I try that? What if these colors? Uh, go together? What if, you know, instead of making a pen, you know, six inches long, what happens if I try to make it as sh- short as possible, you know, what if
1: yeah. you know,
2: it's it's gets me in a lot of trouble? <laughs> <laughs> um, it creates a lot of new facets of the job, but you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Cause you know, like you said, the creativity part um, I've tried finding all, cause I have a very, Artistic mind, but I'm not artistic in the slightest. I am stick figures. I'm a kid trying to color with a box of half eaten crayon. <laughs> you know, I, I, I I do not have that type of talent. I yeah. finally found my medium, which is the resin casting. So I've kind of stuck in my my lane, so to speak.
0: But and thank and thank goodness you have. Um, you know, I how many how many makers out there actually, you know, that use Carolina Pen Company blanks. I mean it's I, I've been using them since I started, of course, uh, you know, and you know now that you're you're on the website and everything now that you you, you switched up your um selling model a little bit, they're they're a little bit more available and, and a lot of people are using them. They're <laughs>
1: to a degree.
0: Yeah. I mean they're they're
1: <laughs> just a few.
0: And and not to and I've said this a lot of times, especially when I first got started. Um, not to not to say anything negative about anybody else's casting ability, but there's things that you do with your resins that nobody else does. I appreciate it. you can't you can't find that unless you code to you to get that. Right. So that casting creativity has led you to a material that you created that I know the next question has to be about.
2: Oh yes. How long how much longer do we have
0: for the-, <laughs> <laughs> the rest of
1: the show? Everyone is now going to be.
0: Yeah, we could just we could just talk for the rest of the show. So let's go to one of your 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 more crowdsourced. I know you hit up Instagram with some questions that some of the customers. Let's talk about the primary manipulation. Yes. Okay, so it's 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 one of my favorite. Uh, materials to work with, and, and, and I'll tell you why. It's not because of the popularity. It's not because of the, you know, a, a lot of people love it. It's not because of the, the crowd that wants it. It's not because of the customers necessarily. The reason I like it so much is that out of all the materials that I've turned, and I know I've only been at this for about a year, so I'm I'm kind of limited in that, but of all the materials I've turned, I have not found a single material that can change as much as primary manipulation will. Yes. Even with a with a tenth of a millimeter being taken off the outside of that rod, I have not found a material that can change as much as as it can. And and that's that's one thing that I know, Jason, I think we talked about this a long while back, you know, like four episodes ago in the before time, you know, um, <laughs> that I was making a pin one time for one of my clients, one of my customers. And I said, hey, it's going to be a little bit thinner than it, yeah. in diameter than it normally would be because I was cutting it and I saw a color pop out. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take it down a little bit more because I want to see what's under here. Change the rabbit. And that's what I do with a lot of the primary pins. If you If you put probably, and I try to be as consistent as I can with my measurements, with my body lengths and cap lengths and diameters. But if you put 3 or 4 of my primary pens next to each other, they're going to be slightly different each one just because especially diameters because of those colors and patterns that pop out. Oh,
2: absolutely. I'm I'm no different. Uh,
0: That's why it's my favorite. And on top of that, there's like 97 different versions of it that you can play with, too. So, I like that part, too. There's some variety there. It's it's, you know, you you have this theme that you started, and there's different varieties of it, which is great. Uh, so let's talk about what led you into that creation process with primary, how it came about, why we tell people that it's not always best to to pick a blank by looking at the outside of it, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Oh yeah. No, that it is the epitome of, you cannot judge a book by its cover sure. Yep.
0: as far Definitely. as materials
2: go. I mean, simply can't, you can try, but never, uh, what you see on the outside is never what you end up with on the inside. It's, It's a blessing and it's a curse for all the reasons you stated. It's a blessing because yes, they're always going to be different. Yep. And it's a curse because they're always going to be different. And everybody (laughs) has a different taste and different wants. And I do the exact same thing you do Um, when it comes to turning down that material. You know, I, I add a little leeway here and there as far as the diameters go, because like you said, you can take off a half a millimeter and you end up with a completely different pen. So sometimes you can kind of see where the colors are transitioning and you know, it'll leave it a little thick or take it down a little bit thinner. And, and sometimes you guess the wrong way and you just got to scratch that one up to, uh, you know, oops,
0: <laughs> but right.
2: For the most part, you can I mean, and it's also material you really can't go wrong with because it has eight colors in it so the like you know it's very unlikely you're going to get what i call dead zones there's always going to be fluctuation as far as where the colors are going to pop out of um well let me let me take one step back primary because like you said there is multiple varieties of primary manipulation primary when we just say primary manipulation we mean version one Version one is the original. I created it back in 2012, I believe, was when I first started it. Either 2012 or 2000, it had to be 2012, I believe. Um, And it's essentially the colors of the rainbow, you know, your three primary, your three secondary. I toss in pink just for the sheer fun of it and white. And and that's how it got its name. It is the primary colors being manipulated, the show, you know, the the full spectrum. Um, so that's the origin of the name. And the origin of why I did it was another one of those, what if, what if I threw the kitchen sink in this mold and see what happens? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah to me, the white almost does it more for me than the colors.
2: Well, that's it, the... Well, that's the quote-unquote secret of the material—is the white. Yeah. If you take that white out, it's going to be muddy brown and dark. Yep. Yeah. You have it, it's the uh, the way I explained it to somebody one time at a pin show because um, I knew they were of the same uh, nerdiness as me. Is <laughs> think of it like the Jedi versus the Sith. You have a light side and a dark side. Yeah. Man, you're
0: you're speaking my language now. Right?
2: <laughs> have to have the light to bring out the dark and the dark to bring out the light. It's just the way it has to work. So the, the only reason the white is in there is for all those colors that are swirling around the inside to have something to pop off of. Yeah. He's that background color. So unless you plan on painting the inside of the pen, which I don't recommend ever doing because no, every reason there is possible to not do it. (laughs) Right. Um, it needs that background color to pop off of. So with that being said, that's why you have ones that come out a little bit more to the red side. Maybe there's another one that comes out a little bit more to the green side. They have the exact same amount of colors being poured in every single time. It's just a sheer matter of where the maker stops turning it with thickness, how deep or how, uh, how wide of a uh, bore is on the inside as far as drilling out for the body, the cap, the section, you know, the thinner you make it, the more light comes through it, the the brighter or the lighter it'll be. But if you say step drill, like Jason does with his to match the converter on the body, the bodies are naturally going to be darker, especially towards the bottom of the pen, because that's where it's thickest. It won't allow the light to come through it. So you You have to take all of those factors into the equation, not just as the maker, but on my end as well, I have to think of the end product being made. So my job is to basically fit in the best colors and the best swirl in really about a three millimeter span of space. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy. And a lot of people have tried. A lot of people have not been able to do it. Some people have come pretty close but it's just something i got lucky with and because i i i try to take pride in consistency i just kept doing it over and over and over and i've gotten pretty pretty good at it
0: and uh, and i like that you mentioned uh you know some will pop more green some will pop red some and i've i've had multiple customers they will, whether it's a pin that you made or one that like Renee made or one that somebody else made, they'll send me a picture and say, what version of primary manipulation is this? And I said, that's primary one. And they're like, well, why doesn't it look like this one, like that one, like this one? And, and, and it's one of my favorite conversations to have, because I know, you know, from, from talking to you as much as I have, and from knowing you for as long as I have, I know a lot of that backstory and I know a lot of how it, how it's, you know, not, how you make it, but the theory behind it. And, right. and so it it's one of those to where I think somebody sent me one. I was like, can you find me a, a primary manipulation blank like this one? And I said, yeah, I've got like 30 of them. <laughs> They're all like that. However, when I cut into it, and, and, you know, don't be upset. If it if you're looking for blues or purples to pop out and it pops yellow, there's nothing I can do about that. Right it's the blank itself but you know i love that about it i one of the first ones i think i ever made with primary i sent to jason worsley down down in texas my 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 leather guy and it's got this yellow streak that ran through it that is just gorgeous like just pops that bright um i want to call it like i don't want to call it like egg yolk yellow but it's that really intense really saturated yellow and then the next one i made looked it was in the the brownish orange and i was like what what did i do wrong <laughs> yeah and i was like what did i how did i mess this up but that's one of my favorite things about it and and i'll 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 always say that about the primary it's just that i like the way you said that some will pop this some will pop that yeah. and some will pop that i mean you have to
2: take you know take your color color wheel for example if you mix blue and yellow you get green well if i When it comes to pouring into the molds, if I pour a little bit too much yellow in a blank that has a little bit more, you know, because it's I'm basically taking cups, you know, one in each hand and pouring and staggering and things like that. Well, if I accidentally pull, I don't say accidentally, if one ends up getting a little bit more blue and yellow in it, it's going to come out a little bit more on the green side because those two colors are going to swirl together and they're going to, where they overlap you're going to get green. That's part of, that's like the literal example of primary manipulation. And when you get those reddish rusty color spots, that's where you run the risk of having red and green and orange and purple in a blank, because if you mix those colors together, you get brown. Yep. So I have to be careful when I'm pouring them, not to pour them next to one another or to break it up um, in different areas of the blank to try and eliminate those areas as much as I can. So it's, it takes a lot of, it's not just, Hey, let's eight colors, slap it together and let's go. It, it, it takes a lot of forethought and design, um, in multiple dimensions. Cause like I said, it's not just, um, what's going on, not just the swirl going up and down the blank itself, but, you guys are turning it perpendicular to the way it's being swirled. Yep. So it all has to be taken into consideration is that is the easiest way to put it. And then, you know, as far as the versions go, the easiest way to tell primary one from any other version is primary one is the only one that has no sparkle, no shimmer, no shine, nothing. It's translucent colors and a solid white the end there's no no flair to it beyond that
0: and i like uh one of the things you said about about you know mixing those colors to be brown that would be an extremely involved process to go through to make brown when you could just make brown yeah you know so i don't know if a lot of the customers realize how much work actually goes into the actually the method of pouring it into the mold and how much of a difference that can make i want to give a shout out to david parker um Fig boot, as we oh, know yeah. him. Um, if you if you go on David Parker's Fig Boots uh, YouTube channel, you can actually go on and see a video he did with Jonathan about the casting process. It's a very interesting video. Yeah, we did a um,
2: live uh, live pour, and I I went over a lot of the the philosophy behind behind all this because again, you know, you have eight colors, and what order you pour them matters. And that's just the way it goes. So I can, if it's a lot easier for me, for my customers, if they say, can I get one more towards the blue? Because I can go out to my workshop and literally pour one with, you know, 30% more blue to it than any color and tweak it to fit that. And that's why I released the cool tone primary and um, soon to be uh, available warm tone primary. That way, everybody else has that availability without um, having to contact me directly. Saying, "Yeah, can I get one that's tweaked this way, that way, or the other way?" I
0: think you're going to be in trouble when you release the warm tone. By the way,
2: <laughs> I'm in trouble here, so.
0: because I, it it that it's just it's beautiful. Uh it's just it's just it's just beautiful. And
2: there's more variety down the road. I'm just I'm working on the processes trying. Uh, trying to get myself caught up on on my backlog of stuff and yeah, yep. You know I've got ideas in the pipeline that I think are going to go above and beyond what you guys know so far as primary. Nice.
0: We're looking forward to it. I mean, always. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> you know, I'm always one of my favorite things that I've done so far and was when I bought my new lathe from Carl Fisher. I got a box of blanks and some of your stuff that hasn't been made in. I mean, how long ago was it that Carl lived in South Carolina? I mean, it's been a while, right?
2: Probably three, four years ago. So I'm
0: figuring it's stuff that he made hanging out in your shop with you when he lived up there. Probably, wow. you know, that y'all came yeah. up with, right?
2: Um, well, he didn't really do much casting. Well, he would,
0: more that he kind yeah. of influenced and, I, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, this is back when I would do a lot of special requests. Before I had the website where you just, you know, pick what you want. It was a lot of back and forth, you know, say Brad wanted something with black, yellow, blue in it. Yeah. We would go back and forth. Okay. What shade of blue? What shade of yellow? What do you want pearlescent? What do you want not pearlescent? Yada, yada, yada.
0: I would just give you artistic freedom with it. Okay. go.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I found some funky stuff. Some funky cool stuff in that box, and I'm just like, Man, this is never this is probably never going to get made again.
2: No, it won't because I don't have either. I don't either. I didn't write down all my recipes back then, or they were limited to Carl because he was doing a special edition. And basically, when I poured the last one, I broke the mold, so to speak. Hmm. Um, and I just I mean, I'm sure I could look at it and replicate it closely, but at the same time, it's I got enough. I make enough colors. I think there's. I think the last time I counted the website available colors, it's in the fifties. Jeez. And that's just skimming the top of the list of what I've made and over time. I mean, I've got a stack of note cards, you know, five inches thick of recipes that you guys have never seen.
0: I'm gonna have to win the lottery or something, man, because I need to.
2: <laughs> well, every so often, I'll go in that stack. And I'll pull a card out and uh, I'll remake it. That's where uh, "Good Intentions" one of the newer ones. Yep, that's where that came. Nice. From. That was a blank I made. Where are we? Two, 2021 now? Finally, so at least ten years ago. Wow, I made that material for the first time. Wow, and it's just now getting released. Because um, back in those days, it was I would I, I actually did make and sell blanks as a quote-unquote, full-time job for a long time, that never that never actually stopped once it started. Hmm. It was just more behind the scenes than it is today. Um, I would sell through a lot of online vendors or sell direct to them as wholesale, and then they would market and do things on their end, and then I quickly learned that's just not the road I want to go down. I'd rather do custom orders, custom requests. Yeah and um, direct sales through me that way it's one stop shop you know you need it you want it you get it from me and that way i know who's getting what and i can you know because say brad you get an order down the road you need 10 pick a blank and you call me up and say hey i need you know i need 10 well i'll make you one full batch which is 12. they're all going to come from that same sit down And that way, they're as concise as can be for that order.
0: Outstanding! That's some good information.
2: I tried.
1: Wow! (laughs) So let's shift to something else that you uh, have kind of become known for. Then I'm curious about is the urushi.
2: Ah, the Japanese lacquer urushi.
1: That seems a very not a. uh, Out there, type of thing, but just not, it's not something that's mysterious. A lot of people do. Yeah, it's mysterious. There's very few, a handful of people who do it well. And And so so it's people
2: that are starting to get into it. Yeah. My inbox is filling up with questions from a lot of these people. (laughs) (laughs) uh, um, Yeah, it was, I won't say it, what I did was taboo by teaching myself. Yeah. It, It was just one of those either you know somebody who was willing right. to share the information or you have to figure it out on your, on your own. Yeah. yeah. And I was the figure it out on your own one. Uh, so when I started, Oh man, I, I'd have to check back exactly how long I've been doing it. Six years now, I think. Wow. Um, yeah. And I still, even at six years, I consider myself a complete novice. Yes. I know what I'm doing, but how to do it the traditional way it might not be the same i try to stay as traditional as possible while branching out to have my own look so to speak um because well let's just back up a little bit i'm I'm jumping a little bit so arushi is uh my favorite way of explaining it is arushi is liquid poison ivy (laughs) awesome that's my favorite way.
1: <laughs> Sign me up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's the sap of the poison sumac of the Urushi tree, which is a poison sumac. Um, there are rules and uh, so specific ways that it can be har- that it's harvested. I believe you can only harvest it in certain times of year and only certain amounts per year. Um, it, it, there's a whole world behind the scenes when it comes to Urushi, that it's fascinating. I can't, I honestly don't know all of it. So I try to.
1: Well, I'm, I'm just looking here. I mean, it goes back like 9,000 years.
2: Oh yeah. It, go, it goes way, way back. And there are pieces of work that are millennia old that are still Gosh. around.
1: I wouldn't feel so bad about being, feeling like a novice then because there's a <laughs> lot going on here. Yeah,
2: well, when, so when I first got started, I I had just started into fountain pens. Uh, this is around 2014. And I went to my first pen show, uh, which was the DC Pin Show, met a lot of the same, same a lot of the people that we all interact with today. I met a lot of them in person. Got to see a lot of pens that I never knew existed. And uh Japanese Arushi artwork pens were the ones that really caught my eye. I was like, wow, these are gorgeous. How, what you know, number one, what is it, and then how is it done? And obviously, you know, they're not going to sit there and we're gonna write you a book and tell you how you do it. Um, yeah. They just they, you know, they gave me the rough overview as you know, it's a lacquer, but it's not what it's not the lacquer that most Americans think about, it's not solvent based.
0: Yeah, it's not, right. it's not the same <laughs> lacquer that's on your coffee table, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Rushi dries. Uh, you're gonna have to make me pull up the definition of just make sure I, I sound like I'm intelligent for a change. Um, <laughs> I believe it polymerizes if that's the right word, um, okay. at specific heat and humidities. Um, so it cheers, but it remains breathable. So oh, wow. it is <laughs> constantly in a state of being cured. Wow. Um, so when it's in its liquid form, yes, it's toxic. It, it, if you're allergic to poison oak, poison ivy, et cetera, you're allergic to this stuff, too. Um, you'll get the same contact dermatitis, you know, the rash, et cetera. And once cured, that trait becomes innocuous, where only those that are extremely allergic and sensitive to it can be Um, Hmm. at risk of still getting a rash and it has happened. Um, There's really no way of knowing until, you know, far as, you know, from a virus perspective. Um, But the, the research I did was extensive. I spent literally one year doing research before I ever touched the stuff. And this is, you know, is, Many Google searches as possible, and all all in Japanese before there was the one click Google Translate. I am copying Woof. and pasting into all these translation uh, oh my gosh. programs to try and just get a, a sense of what what they're talking about, and then you take all the information, and then you have to start cross referencing cross referencing it against one against itself. Keeping the information that keeps standing out, that, you know, that repeats itself over and over as, you know, plausible as to this is accurate. So then you have to go into your testing phase and testing each step that you've translated. And like I said, it took a year of research and then even, you know, just as long in trial and error, trying to find the right heat and humidity levels as, as well as building a chamber that can hold that heat and humidity for the time needed because the, the, the guide, not the rule is 24 hours to cure one layer of Urushi.
1: One layer. Wow.
2: And that's,
0: and you said that's just a guideline though, right? That's not making sure that it's going to be cured. Right. There's no guarantee right. that
2: it, it will be done in that 24 hours. It's just a a rough guide because there are, Uh, different types of Arushi that have different water content and things of that nature. And those sometimes can cure faster than like the pure raw lacquer that has no pigments, things like that. It'll cure a little bit faster than anything that has a pigment (laughs) to it. And so colored Arushi takes a little bit longer. And then you learn, well, because these pigments are natural, pigments you have to monitor what heat and humidity you're curing them at because you can fluctuate within a range but that range will also change the outcome of the color blue is a perfect example if you cure it too high of a humidity and a lower heat it comes out more of a pale like almost powder blue if you cure a high heat, low humidity, it's a darker blue. And if wow. it's high on both ends, it's extremely dark. But if you cure too low on either end, it doesn't cure at all. Jeez. Oh, and so you have to learn <laughs> wow. when it's cured, when it's not. So I usually leave my stuff 36 to 48 hours simply just because I can't sit down and get, I can't get to it every single night anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, Cause I'm usually doing a Rushi, you know, anywhere from nine at night till three in the morning. Well, I'm not going to get up at three o'clock in the morning to start the next round. I'm going to wait till yeah, the right. evening. So,
0: well, let's, I've got, I've got one of your Rushi pens that, I. uh, I I was lucky enough to <laughs> give, was gifted, um, to be to be gifted to me. This is I believe it's a tamanuri. Is that how it's pronounced?
2: Yes. Uh, well, I'm assuming you know I'm southern, so I butcher just about every language.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean it's a, it's one of them damn old ta- Tamanaries or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. um,
2: a uh, tamanuri I believe is the proper way of saying. And
0: it. I believe this was a over a like a sea glass coke bottle ish type resin originally.
2: Yeah, so it's translucent pen with translucent lacquer. And all taminary means is, I think it translates to deep pool. Okay. So it just means translucence with some with a depth
0: to it. Yeah, it's got a really just beautiful, I want to call it like a maroonish, reddish, burgundy-ish type hue to right. it. Right. When you're looking at it with the light, if the light's reflecting off of the surface, but then you put it up to a light, and it's got this really vibrant red that kind of pops right. out. And I can understand right. that pool, that depth you're talking about to it. Um, right, because the
2: traditional finish, it is a brighter base color. So with your pen, it's, since it's a, it's a clear pen to start with, it doesn't have that background color. Yep much like the conversation with primary manipulation, you need that white background for those colors to pop. Similar concept with a taminary finish. You need a, well, typically it's the brighter base color. Uh, Aca is red over red.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. It's a red base color pen with that same translucent red over it. So it'll be darker where it's thickest. And then towards your edges, uh, it, becomes thinner from just from the natural uh, way it's
0: Yeah.
2: where all the edges start to show that base color through it, through the layers and you get that depth.
0: And this is a, you know, I'm guessing from looking at your website and all the different types of Urushi finishes that you offer or have learned so far, is this, right. this, is this process similar to your casting where you're constantly thinking that what if? What if I combine this and that? What if I try this? What if I try So you're still <laughs> even though you're offering let's say I didn't count but say you have like just for sake of argument you have eight different typical finishes that you offer. Right. You've got eight more in your head that you're wondering, I wonder if I can do this next or what do I need to tweak here, right? So there's always you're you're innovating constantly, right?
2: To a degree, yeah. Uh I say I could say yes to me innovating, but it could also just be, I haven't learned that it's been done for a hundred years already. Kind of, a, kind of. A, well. Sure. Um, but yeah, I do. I'm constantly trying to find my lane, so to speak in the Arushi world, because there's enough people doing the traditional finishes that to perfection, I don't need to fight yeah. in that battle. Um, if you want elaborate rod work or abalone work, you talk with Bokamundu or Hiroku on Instagram and you have her do it because she is amazing at that type of work as well as what they call kara Nuri, um, which is a whole different technique. And, you know, traditionally in Japan there, from what I, from what I understand from the research I've done, there aren't very many uh, artists that do that that big a variety of technique. They usually specialize yeah. in a small group of techniques, and that is their lane. That's what they do, and um, not ha- and and usually they're part of a studio with apprentices and things like that. So they have you know it's almost like uh, one student will do the sanding, will be you know doing sanding, another student will be doing base layer work and then the uh, the teacher or the master will be doing the more intricate parts of the finish and the final polishing and et cetera, you know, it gets broken down in the, in the job, you know, subcontracted out so to speak. Whereas I'm doing every step along the way by myself.
0: Wow. And you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that it's that typically they will master one style. Hmm. Per person and not have all of those you know it's it's one thing that I don't think pen makers ever listen to this bit of advice if they ever got it is find one thing and do it very well um we try to do everything to a to a to a point that we could see we do it well um we gotta do it all you know that's a very that's a very Japanese uh as far as you know I've looked a lot into the woodworking and the pen turning and things that they do there is that tradition of it's not you're not trying to be a jack of all trades. You want to find that thing. I mean, how many people in Japanese cultures are are in Japanese culture are considered to be masters at this versus, you know, like our culture where we want to do everything. Hardly any of us are masters of any one particular thing. Right. And it's that tradition that goes behind that where they're like, okay,
2: exactly.
0: You're going to make this particular, you're going to do this particular style and you're going to do it perfectly in 30 years. And then you're going to be the master of doing this, you know. And it's it's really interesting to see how that how that that's different. Uh, It's a different type of finish, and it's a different type of culture that goes behind it all too. Right.
2: And you have to be respectful of that in with what I do, as far as I try to. What's a good way of putting it? Not American bastardize the style. Yeah. To where you know I'm not trying to turn it into a. You know, a fast food. Here's your menu. Select what you want. Get what you want. You know, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm I'm experimenting with the, all the techniques I can I can discover to find the ones I prefer to do the most, and then from there, I will whittle that down and kind of consolidate my artwork into those genres because I don't I don't want to be frowned upon by the traditionalists I, I guess you can say and so far it, it's they've been more than welcoming that's awesome I have not had any negative conversations or negative feedback from any of the, any other Arushi artists they've always been more than encouraging uh, my right. favorite story is uh, uh, Mr. Matoshi from Style Art in Japan I met him for the first time in the Oh, what I can't remember what year in, in DC when it was at the old hotel. Um, I think it was their first year at the show, and I, you know, I heard that they were there, so I walked over and, and looked at their work, and you know, they do a lot of uh, rotten work and eggshell uh, type work, and it was just stunning. And we're sitting there having a you know conversation. Back and forth, and uh, later on, Mr. Matoshi is walking down the aisleway where my table is, and he starts to walk down, and he's you know being polite and patient, looking at all you know all the pens on everybody's tables, and he gets to mine, and he sees the resin work, you know, like a little shake of the head, you know, yeah, that looks, you know, that looks kind of cool, and he looks up towards the back of my table, which is where I used to keep all the arushi work. And he and he and he goes to take another step or two and then he freezes like mid-stripe, like leg up in the air and everything, frozen. And he just stops there for a good five seconds and then he slowly back up, backs it up, and he and he leans over and he's looking at the table even closer. And he looks down at down at the table at those pens and looks up at me and looks down, <laughs> looks up, looks down, back up at me and he goes, Rushi? yes, sir. And he looks down, and he looks up, and he looks up, and he looks down, and he looks back at me. <laughs> you? <laughs> and I say, "Yes, sir." <laughs> wonderful. That's awesome. Wonderful. Well, that was my first. Uh, That's and, you know program. that had to feel good. It did. It really. Did. It
0: goes to the. It goes to the community. You know, even you know the pin community in general is very accepting to a point. You know, and we've I've had a I've had a very positive experience with the pin community. And then you're talking about even taking that a step further, where now there's a tradition that comes along, and a very disciplined tradition that comes along, and to be accepted like that, and to get that—that—I mean, that's a that's a compliment. I, Holy I mean, crap!
2: I took it so, and every time we've seen each other since then, at, at the, all the various spin shows, it's always been—you know—shake the hand, hug—you know—hugs around, and you know, you know, here's the, here's my newest one. Where's your new? You know, show me your wow, yeah, yeah, greatest. And, that's-
1: you're, you're on the end. <laughs> yeah, well, a little bit. I got my toe in the door. <laughs> hey, right, enough. right.
2: Well, and speaking of such, when it came down to working with the uh, Arushi in the first place, I had to find a place I could buy it.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And yeah, I didn't even think point, about that.
2: There were, there really wasn't an uh, online store for what I was wanting. Um, so I found well, there there were they just were all in Japanese and didn't really have an English, you know, click here yeah. to understand what we're saying. And so I did email them, and they basically questioned me to knew if I knew my stuff or not. Oh wow! <laughs> they said, you know, what are you doing with it? What do you, you know, how are you curing it, um, et cetera? You know, I had to, and I had to go through this little bit of a process, but. But I was able to answer sufficiently, apparently, and so I have this tiny little mom and pop uh, store in Japan that they—they're the ones that they go harvest it, they process it, they wow. package it themselves, all done, you know, in house, and that's their livelihood. And I'm lucky enough to be one of their um, outside the Japanese community customers. I mean, I'm sure oh, I'm not doing awesome. now, but.
0: Oh that's outstanding wow and you know and that's that's one of the things that that a lot of the i'm sure a lot of our listeners when it comes to your pens are are interested in learning about is is the process behind that and and why why if i ordered a pen today it could take so long to get that's one of the you know and and with you explaining the amount of time that it takes to cure and and the 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 discipline you have to have with with producing it yeah, it makes sense that it would take a quite a while.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, some people, you know, if if it was all I did, all day, every day, sure, the timeline would be reduced. But being the fact that I have to, to uh, make all the pins, do the lacquer work, yep. this, that, and the other, you know, I have to add to that timeline. Um, you know, because some pins have 20, 40, 50, 60 layers to it. Wow. Um,
0: And a 36-hour cure time per layer? That's just nuts.
2: Yeah. I mean, you have to have patience. And (laughs) when it comes to sanding, you're not, you know, don't even think about 400-grit sandpaper. You're talking 3,000, 5,000, 7,000 grit, and sometimes those are too aggressive.
1: Wow. That's my kind of sandpaper. Didn't
0: I see you dipping your thumbs in powder at one point and sanding them that way? Was that what? Yes, yeah, that's,
2: that's part of the final polish. <laughs> oh my gosh,
0: that's not even sandpaper my, for for literally, sake, hands you know? on.
2: <laughs> no, no, that's the final like like that's putting that final gloss. Yeah, like, what, what we do with buffing. Yeah, that is what I was doing with that powder.
0: You talk about oh hand gosh. buffing. I mean, <laughs> so
2: the the finishing process alone can take about two weeks. Wow, because the part of the final process is you take your your lacquered pen you've sanded it and now you take raw lacquer the purest raw lacquer you have and you you almost cry doing this you basically wipe it on you take just a little pea-sized drop you wipe it on all over the entire pen and then you try to rub off as much as you possibly oh, can oh no and this stuff is expensive god so you're constantly taking on putting on a little bit you're you're basically rubbing it into any you know, micro pores. Yeah. And you're basically hardening the surface is what you're doing. Wow. And okay. you do that for say a week, get it hard enough to where your hand polishing will take place. And then you get you take different types of uh, clay that are that's mined only in Japan, Tonoko powder being uh the easiest one for me to pronounce. You mix it with a uh very mild oil create a little bit of a slurry like your novus three yeah and you basically burnish the pen <sighs> in that wow do more of your what they call the kai urushi your hardening stage mm-hmm. and then you take an even finer version of power which you would probably call your novus two mix it with that same oil do the same step and you get a little bit deeper gloss every single time wow. In the final stages is you dip your fingers in that final powder and it mixes with the oils in your skin and you're putting that final polish on it that way. Wow. And that's your, and that's when you're done. And that can be, you know, I'll sit there and I can hand polish a pen for three hours, you know, tap body section and just sit there and just, I mean, you're literally just, you know, you're rubbing the size of a dime all the way up and down this pen body until it's
0: perfect. So that pen of mine that you got a month ago, it'll be doing, it'll be ready next week, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. If I can find it, I'll remember. That,
0: really. It'll be done so quick. And so, you know, and learning more about that, I'm just going to stick to turning primary manipulation, man, that I, I, I don't, I, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of patience and I've got a lot of, um, that kind of drive to, to make the most perfect product I can, but you're you're asking a lot when you get to the Urushi side of things.
1: I just thought my finish process was involved.
0: See, now we're <laughs> oh, at 3,000 yeah, steps instead of 300 yeah. steps, Jason. And and he leaves yeah. he leaves and, the rain uh, off of the Urushi pens, too, I bet. Don't you, Jonathan? <laughs>
1: yeah, no. Oh, man, I'm <laughs> never going to live that one down.
2: No, no, no. <laughs> Put Rain-ex on them. I know it. I saw it. Oh. Uh, I was just going to say with uh, your comment about perfection and whatnot, there's a whole other side of Japanese tradition where uh, it's called Wabi Sabi beauty through imperfection. There are some pens that I consider screw ups that I don't want to see the light of day, but I know at heart, somebody will actually love that it came out that way. So I, I try to, Put, you have to put your pride aside to a degree. Right. Yeah. You know, obviously you don't want sure. to, if you know it's flat out wrong, you fix it. And uh, when it comes to experimenting with a Rushi, unfortunately, it might take you a month to figure out you screwed right. up on day one.
0: I like immediate I like immediate notice that you've done something stupid like the pin exploding and just going everywhere. That that's immediately immediate notice that you yeah, have screwed exactly. up. And you t- you talk about the slight imperfection. I- I've seen several shows and and either YouTube videos or things like that about Japanese like flower arranging or um, bonsai trees, things like that. They're not supposed to be perfect. Uh-huh. It's not supposed to be completely symmetrical. There's beauty. There's beauty in the negative space. There's beauty in the mm-hmm. in in that slight imperfection that you're that you're talking. And that's outstanding.
2: Yes. If there's abalone in the pen, it doesn't necessarily have to be yeah. a perfect flush feel it doesn't if you feel that abalone in there it's that's not a flaw it's part of the pen oh.
0: that's got to be tough to accept though <laughs> what
2: <When, laughs> yeah on the american, the american buyers absolutely. yeah um, especially
0: on the maker side over here you know where oh, we don't yeah. we don't have that um is it sweden where they have the 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 good enough mentality about things like we don't have that much of that good enough mentality here. we have that i've gotta be the best I've gotta make it better than everybody else i've thing. got it you know, and yeah. I think it would I think it would help a lot of us to kind of take a step back sometimes and and kind of get into more of that mindset where. Good enough is good enough. You know,
2: as long as I make it better than Brad, better than Jason. <laughs> uh,
0: so let's, uh, okay. So we've talked about in the Urushi finishes that, that it traditionally, there is a master student kind of relationship, right? You you apprentice and you have that, that road that you take to, to getting better at it and becoming the master of Arushi finishes. Let's talk about pin making in yeah. that same kind of relationship. You know, uh, I know that you had a, you had a, a customer on Instagram, ask you a question about that. And then I have, I've got the same, cause I've got a personal experience with that question. You know, you have come a long way as a pin maker to, to getting to the point where you are now. And I know that you, you have shared that knowledge, and you've shared that process, and you've shared that experience through teaching other makers, myself included, in that list. Let's talk a little bit about how you've shared your talents and your craft and your passion for pen making with new, upcoming pen makers.
2: Oh, of course, yeah. I'm as long as you don't walk in the door and say, "Show me primary manipulation," kind of a question. I'm an open <laughs> <man>. <laughs> even if you were to ask that question, it's all about the way you ask.
1: <laughs> yeah get out get out
2: if you ask in a way i can politely say no we're good if you like i've had somebody come over and basically demand that i show them everything and i'm like well let's start here and we'll work our way to that it's like no no no, i just want to know that i will show
0: you the door actually as well yeah
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i'm i'm all i mean brad you're a prime example how. Willing I am to go to lengths to show yeah. somebody step one to step ninety nine, and in Jason's uh, instance, step twelve thousand. <laughs> you know, I I will take you through every single step. I will write it all down. I will walk you through it. You can videotape yeah. yourself if you. You know, I'm all about that.
0: Which um, I should have done.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Because I get this. Because then we get the. Hey, what do
0: we what, do with this? Data? What What was step one through seventy five again? I forgot those. Yeah, and and you know I've told this.
2: Brian used to do that. All yeah, the time. and I've told
0: the story several times. You know, I met. I I ran into you and met you at the Atlanta Pin Show in eighteen, right? Nineteen. Was it nineteen? Uh,
2: no, it had to be 18. eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. You've been you've been making for a yeah. Year now.
0: Ran into you at the show, and I got we got one of your pins, and we talked for just a few minutes, and then that's when I started realizing, hey, there's this handmade world out here. I hadn't seen those before, and so I reached out, and I expected a who? Who are you? What do you? What do you want? You know, and it was it's not not a judgment on your character or anything. I didn't know you at the time. I had who am I for you to be like, hey, you know, let's let's talk about this, right? And you know, I'm so lucky that you actually responded and were like, hey. Let's let's take this a step further and and let's learn about this and everything. So and I wouldn't be doing this today had you not opened your door and said, hey, come on in, let's talk about this. And it, you know, and it it, it is really made a a big um, I don't know, it's made a big impression on my work as well. I mean, you can you can tell that. So uh, let's talk about, you know, why why do you do that? What what is what drives you to actually share that?
2: I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I'm creating all my Aren't own competition. Right?
1: Yeah, we're all yeah. doing that yeah. one.
2: <laughs> so, I mean, for instance, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not throwing these names out there just say, oh, look what I did. But you know, yourself, uh, Brian Weaver, yep. Iron Feather, you were my most recent uh, protégés, or however you want to mentees. call mentees, students, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, internees. Um, uh, Mike yep. Allen, Woodshed. He made his first pin here at the house. Carl Fisher made his first custom pin here at the house. Um, and then there there's been several others that you know they they wanted to learn, but not exactly take it down the road of you know uh marketing yeah. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. They yeah. just wanted to learn technique. And I'm I'd rather somebody do it right than and put out a good product than. Not have the information that's easily given, easily received, and put out something that could possibly become a stain on the community or a stain in the market. So, you know, and and I say that yeah, as right. in, right, you know, the tolerance when you go to screw your section, it's wobbly. as all can be, <laughs> you know, right, you know, your you know your nibs are crisscross when you send them to the customer. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, like I told Brad and all the others, you know. Do not sell a fountain pen unless you know how, one, it works and two, how to, how to tune it. Because the last thing you need to do is send out a, a scratchy nib, like a very noticeable scratchy nib, you know, your times are, you know, yeah. one time is obviously lower than the other and you're tearing the paper. That is the last thing you yeah. need to do because that's some of the hardest stuff to re to recover from, you know, you have a pen, you know, I've made a pen, and somehow, some way, I forgot to drill out enough uh, deep enough for the converter to fit. How I how that managed to get out of my shop into a customer's sense, I still yep. can't figure out. But it happened. And it's one of those, here's a shipping label. I'll have it done within five minutes, and it'll be back in the mail same day. Yep. You know, I apologize for that screw-up, but here, I can make that right for you. But if somebody yep, is making exactly. something that's just... Frankensteinish to a degree. Not
0: material-wise, Jason. You're okay. You know.
2: yeah, 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 yeah. not, not <laughs> stratus. I'm not talking
0: stratus level. You know, that totally makes sense. It <laughs> That's
1: an intentional
0: Frankenstein. It it really makes sense, and I'm glad I'm glad that you passed that on, especially to me, because you know, when I make a pen, I get it. I, I do a writing sample with every nib. I tune every nib as, as best I can. I'm not a nib grinder. I will not say that I'm a nib tuner, but I do what I can to make sure that those nibs Go out as well, and I had I had a couple recently that went out that yeah. I I tuned, I worked on, and when they were here, they wrote just fine. They got to the customer, and they weren't quite as, as they didn't write quite as well as some that I had sent before. And okay. first off, that's going to happen. We all know that there's going to be little inconsistencies sometimes. There's these are handmade products to a point, you know. There's going to be intricacies about them and everything. But I said, well, let me tune two more, and I'll send them to you. I, I'll fix that problem. I'm not going to sit here and go, well, you did something to it because when it left my shop, it was just fine. And you know, that's not my style. And like you said, send it, send it to me. I'll fix it. We'll get it back out to you. And that's a, it's a great way to be about it.
2: I, I and I had a good example at a show person bought a pen on Friday. We're, just, you know, cause when I, when I'm up, during the shows, pray we have show shows. Yes. Again soon. That's, Seriously. You know, safe, <laughs> but soon. Yes. Um, I had a customer buy a pen on a Friday and I will tune their pen. I'll ink it up fully. Uh, cause usually I have a, like, like you saw, Brad, I have all my different inks with me at shows. Yep. We'll pick an ink, we'll ink it up fully, fill that converter up. You can use it for the weekend. And, uh, they brought it back on Sunday saying, I, man, I've been messing with this thing. And for whatever reason, it keeps skipping and hard starting. And it worked perfectly for the first, you know, 30 minutes. And then after that, I don't know exactly what happened. I said, well, what paper were you using? Uh, they told me the paper and uh, it was a Claire Fontaine paper. I cannot remember the uh, what, what exact uh, notebook it was, but I knew it was prone to getting fibers inside the nip times. Yep. So I just took a brass shim, shimmed it through there, flossed the times. It, and sure enough, it had a bunch of gunk from the paper in there. And sure enough, they were fine for the rest of the day. And, you know, I get emails from them Uh, either they want to just catch up or order something and they'll bring up that moment. Yep. You know, and it's the, it's those little things that we do that make a big difference, whether we realize. And
0: you're not going to get that kind of service. You're going to get that kind of service from a handmade bespoke pen maker you know uh, uh you know you're not going to get that level of service from a giant corporation oh heck no that that right. that just ships it out and that's the last time they want to deal with it you know some of them are good about fixing problems
2: they pull a box off a shelf and put right. sh- uh in another box a shipping label they don't inspect it so yeah saying um, you have retailers like uh dance okay. Smith yeah of, uh, yeah Yep. You know, he physically will look at every nib before it leaves his door and make sure it is yeah. optimal, you know, and that's a level of service that is why he is as popular and is, has the business exactly as people can feel safe. And warm.
0: how many, how many corporate, and I'm not, I'm not bagging on the corporate pens. I'm not bagging on that at all. But how many of those have you gotten in the past that have a writing sample in them or. Um, or a card, a certificate of authenticity that was handwritten with the pen that you're being sent, or something like that. It doesn't yeah, happen.
2: usually it's been with like a ballpoint.
0: Yeah, right. Or it's just laser printed on a printer. I mean, you know, it's just, yeah. or, you know, unless you have ordered one from a company that has a nibmeister there that will go through and work on the nib or something, and you paid extra for that, you're not going to get that as much as you would with the handmade makers. Uh, you know, I keep right here this is it's normally in my shop but i i've got it in here right now this is the pen that i made that day in june of yep. that i came up and this was the the first pen i'd ever made and it still got the ink <laughs> i think it's still inked up with the same ink we put in it i haven't you know i just i don't write with it i don't want to tear it up i don't want to damage it but it's the it's the pen that my first model was based on and i keep that for inspiration yep. i try to you know i always have it right here in front of me i either in the shop or you know here for the time being
2: and I will say you were one of the more prepared uh, students, Nerd. quote unquote, that, came, <laughs> that you had you had diagrams, you had drawings, you had all these, you know, ideas of where you wanted to go. So it helped me tailor you know what I need. You know, to and, sure. and it
0: it was one of those things where I at least tested the temperature of the water before I jumped in the deep end. It, you know, it, 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 I didn't know how deep the water was, but I knew how cold it was. <laughs> <It's red> water, <laughs> I knew though. I knew what temperature it was at least.
1: Surprise! And, and, you know, thank goodness because
0: you know we've had even I know Jason. I think you've had some people reach out to you. I've had a couple of people reach out to me as well. Some of the makers that are getting popular right now. Have reached out to 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 newer makers like myself and said, "Hey, how do you do this? How are you doing this? How are you? And, and and I'm getting to pass the knowledge yeah. on that you passed on to me to those Go new ahead. people, and I think there's a there's a there's a cycle to it, and and I don't, and I I think Jason, you share the same kind of mentality I do about this that I don't look at at you know Jonathan and me and Jason and Greg and Eric and all, and Sean and all these guys as being in competition with each other, right? Because right. we all do what we do. And if you want, if you want this particular thing, you go to Jonathan. If you want this particular thing, you go to Jason, um, you know, and it, people know where to go for things. We even recommend each other to customers all the time.
2: Yeah. I'll give you all my Right, right.
0: <laughs> like I say, if we get an ink window request, they send them somewhere else. But, you know, it's it's one of those things to where, you know, if Jonathan's selling pins and Jason's selling pins and Eric's selling, sell, uh, selling pins and Ryan's selling pins, that means pins are being sold. That means there's a market. Yeah, exactly. And five. so yeah. it's not as much a competition as it is a community. And that's one of the things that I like about this pen world the most is that I'd say 98% of the makers that I have talked to, we are a community. Yeah. We get in beefs with each other. Everybody knows that, and we'll have arguments, and we'll spat about this or that. But a lot of the times, we'll be like, "Okay, cool. We need to get along. We need to have a good community because we need to have that that conversation that that back and forth. That innovation is not going to be made if we all just stagnate and put ourselves on an island somewhere. You know, we're
2: gonna push. We're gonna push each other to. Right. Now, now, this is not necessarily say one up the next yeah. guy in line, but, you know, we're going to want to. It's up like Jason.
0: Jason makes line. a pin out of 10 pieces or 15 pieces of material. I'm going to find a way to make one out of one where I don't have to cut it at all. You know, that's, the, <laughs> 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 you know, I, I'm going to start making dip pins instead, you know? So, you know, it, and that's where a lot of the because we'll see, I'll see something that somebody put on Instagram and I'm like, Dang man, how did they do that? And that leads me to coming up with a new design. It's not a copy. Yep, I'm not going to copy it. And I'll say this right now: I will never intentionally copy anybody's work.
1: If it' it, correct,
0: there's only so many things you can do with a round piece of acrylic or a round piece of plastic. But you know, Jason put something up. Jonathan put something up. Somebody put something up new, and I'm like, holy crap! I'm going to go to the shop and I'm going to tinker
1: and make your version of it.
0: And then I'm going to come up with something that's my version of Mm -hmm. that. So that drives innovation. So if one of us comes up with something new and innovative, that means other people are going to come up and somebody's going to take it a step further. Right.
2: Oh yeah. And there's a world of makers out there that we haven't even discovered yet. Yeah. That are doing, that are most likely doing work that are going to blow us out of the water. We're just, you know, going to welcome, well, one, welcome them into the fold if they want to be. And two, you know, take inspiration, take uh, the motivation and, you know, up our
0: games, and that's one of the things that that I like so much about you say taking us into the fold, um, because I look at there's there's several people in the in the pinmaking community that are kind of, and I'm not meaning this in the in the pejorative or, or negative kind of sense, like the old guard of handmade mm-hmm. pen makers. You've been around for a while. It's not that you're stuck in your ways and uh, you know kind of old men about it, <laughs> but. But you're, you're kind of like the, the, the masters, and now there are students yeah. and apprentices and things that are coming in. And for somebody like you, for somebody like me to reach out, and you just be like, hey, come up to the house. We'll, do, we'll talk about pens and stuff. I'm like, that goes so far into, into making the next pin maker who they're going to be, right? Oh, yeah. How they're going to do their business, how they're going to make their pens, it, just from a mentality standpoint.
2: The uh, funny story with that uh, real quick one with uh, Brian of Iron Feather. Yep. Uh This is shortly after the last DC show uh, we had. I get an email from him saying, hey, I see you're in South Carolina. He goes, I, he says, I'm an Aiken. <laughs> you know, I'm willing to drive, you know, two, three hours to come visit you. You know, he explained, you know, knife maker, artist and everything, of everything, everything in the world. <laughs> And, makes me uh, so ill. I trust me. I, I got to see him more often than you do. I get reminded. of him, hey, this thing.
0: You just have to show me how awesome you are all the time.
2: <laughs> I know. No, he's a great guy. I, I, you know, I really appreciate having him as a friend. And uh, so he emails me. He says, "Hey, uh, he goes, I'm in Aiken. I see you're in South Carolina. He didn't know where apparently. And uh, he says, I'm willing to drive a couple hours, you know, I don't want to be swinging a hammer, making knives until I'm 70. Uh, I want to, you know, possibly get into pens. Can I come visit? And I was like, okay, well, I'm familiar with Akin. Uh What part of town are you in? <laughs> Akin, he gives me his address. I'm like, okay, well, do me a favor. Leave your house, turn right, stay on that road for about 15 miles and then turn right, turn left at this street. And then I'm the second house. On the road. <laughs>
0: I know exactly where you're talking about. Yeah.
2: but <laughs> like, just come on out. And he's like, seriously? And he was out uh, like a day that's or That's great.
0: Later. You know, and, and that's, you know, one of the, one of the reasons that I'm glad we started this podcast up is we're meeting more people now um, on our Instagram feed. Oh yeah. That are starting to make handmade pins People that are coming over from the kit pin world, or you know, that want to get just that we had no idea existed, and it's awesome because it's it's kind of, you know, it, it it it's not necessarily exploding, but it looks like it's going to keep going for a while because of the people who are showing some interest.
2: Well, imagine from uh, my perspective. So I started, my, I made my first custom pin, I think in two thousand twelve. Yeah. Two thousand fourteen or fifteen was when I first started doing shows. And here we are, geez, five, six years later and just the explosion from then to now, and it's only going to get bigger from there. Yeah. You know, my curious, my curiosity goes into, okay, what will the market, how well will this market hold and to what degree do we start seeing a limitation of, um, What's the best way? What's the best way to put it? Um, how how much further outside the box do we all need to get from one another to maintain that uh, status you're at right now? Yeah. Because um, say the next guy who comes down the the pipeline is going to be doing fifteen uh, piece pins as a standard model. Yeah. You know, what's that going to do for Jason? Jason's going to be you know asking for hands. <laughs>
1: I, I just might hand off the baton actually he's gonna put
0: seventeen <laughs> pieces in his next pen is what he's gonna
1: yeah. do um, yeah,
0: and you know that that but that's also gonna push us to innovate and stay ahead of the game if we can
2: yeah, yeah. uh like the the one conversation we had uh just before started recording where um the biggest limitation we all that that e- that puts all of us on an equal playing field is the nib.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: Because there's only a handful of available nibs to makers. Yep. As, as far as being at a affordable level. Um, True. Now, if we were doing, you know, five to a thousand dollar, you know, major art pens of some sort, whether silver work, Arushi, or whatnot, and we are buying a sailor pen just for the nib, you know. Yeah. Just you know. It, I'm just talking in in general terms of that. Unless there's somebody out there that's doing things of that nature, we're always gonna have that playing that level playing field as far as the nib goes. Yep. And it's what we can do with it from there that's really gonna elevate or stagnate, so to speak.
0: And you know, and, and a lot of that goes into our customers too. Uh
2: oh, definitely.
0: The customers learning and another good reason for this podcast is the customers and the listeners they get to learn more about what we do and more of the behind the scenes yeah and you know i've got customers that have bought 10 or 11 pins from me you've got customers that buy from you from you from you jason the same way we all have our our people that that like our pins a little bit better than somebody else's and that's awesome because we're always going to have those customers and we're each going to have those people
2: yeah yeah i mean everybody has a different model that fits in yeah. somebody's hand, just right, and that, you know, once they find that person, that's who they're going to go with. I have a customer right now that you know I'm not going to name any names and you know things like that. But he essentially will just send me a check for X amount of zeros, and he just says, you know, <laughs> make however many pins it takes to fill up this dollar amount for this year. You know what I like? I'm excited to see what. That's you do. awesome. And, you know, the words, like I said, the the words artistic freedom are my favorite two words.
0: Exactly. (laughs) I'll just make you one (laughs) pen, it's the size of a Louisville slugger, and we'll just call it even. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome. And, you know, and it's glad that we're, that, that even the newer guys like, like me, and Jason, I'm not going to consider you one of the newer guys. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have. I'm,
2: I've never even heard of this guy, Jason Miller. Where did Neil come from? I'm, I'm, I'm joking.
0: Can't find Jason Neal in the, in the phone book. Um, you know, it, uh, you know, and I'm, you still use that phone book. <laughs> I'm at least I still know what one is. Right? <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I'm the newest person in this world out of the three of us. And, you know, and now that, that I'm even having a chance to pass on some of that knowledge, it's, it's just outstanding. And, and I hope, I hope it continues for a, for a very, very, very long time.
1: Well, it's interesting though, is like in the grand scheme of you look at this part of the community, everyone is still pretty young in the journey, like not young age wise necessarily, but young like in the the journey of it, like the exploration of the craft. Yeah, I look at some of these guys that you know I thought, oh, they must have been doing this twenty years. And you're like, oh no, they started like eight years ago. And you're like, what? Yeah, and you can see that growth, and it's really interesting to feel like okay, you're not necessarily on the ground floor, so to speak, but early enough in the process to be able to see it grow. And kind of like you were saying, Jonathan, you know how what's the future of this like? What what's it going to grow to? Even now, as more and more people are getting into it and kind of thinking outside of the box,
0: exactly.
2: Especially uh, because you take a lot of the materials that are used in the kit pin side of things. And a lot of them are not translatable for custom work, but there are some that yeah. will be. And just imagine if those material makers take that step into the bespoke world, the kinds of things that they're going to be able to do. Oh yeah, you know, right. to to offer and such. You know, whether they offer it to, for sale to other makers or not, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Um. There is uh, one prime example. Uh, I'll have to find a photo for you guys to put in the show notes. Um, his name is John Yu. Uh, he's out of uh, Illinois, I believe, and he has been making uh, pheasant feather blanks for over a decade. Wow! Um, wow! Taking pheasant feathers or duck feathers and overlaying them on the brass tubes, casting in clear acrylic, mm-hmm. and using them for the kit pins well i had a customer who you know wanted a bespoke pen and he was talking about it. it was a i think it was a gift for his father he was an avid uh duck hunter and he wanted to know if there was any way to incorporate that so i got a hold of john and i sent him i had to specially turn the pen body and cap to make it all work but he basically inlaid feathers inside wow. the cap and body for me and not oh, use wow. not using brass tubes and then I had to take I had to do my part and figure out a way to cast it or encapsulate it in the resin. And it came out absolutely gorgeous. Wow. But it was the you know, it would take a lot more trial and error to make that a an everyday offer. Yeah. You know, yeah. For for being a one off type type deal, it was perfect. Um, I dabble with airbrush work from time to time. I have two pins right now that you know I need to finish that. I've been wanting to do this custom uh, candy uh, paint job on for years. And I'm just going to get off my butt and actually do it. <laughs> you, you,
0: you could, I think you have an excuse. You're busy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> busy, and I'm getting over some uh, some bumps in the road, we'll yeah. call it. Right. Um, 2020 was not good for a lot of people. <laughs> no for me. Yeah.
0: Especially not good for you.
2: Productivity yeah. goes.
0: You know, and, and especially when you have 15 irons in, in seven fires, that doesn't <laughs> you know, that doesn't help.
2: Yeah, I mean my traditional work day, it's you know 18 hours Jeez. easy. And that's not and that's not even getting to the administrative side of things, yep. the emails and the things that which I will perfectly admit I am the worst with emails. I'm trying my best, but it's so hard to sit at a computer knowing how big my backlog is to get to, and I want to get, you know, I want to get to the people who have already been waiting, you know, a year or more, So it's just, you know, it's a lot of stuff to juggle and it's grown to the point where it's almost too big for one person. Yeah. And my wife keeps telling me, you know, expand, expand, expand. I'm like. I don't. I can teach somebody. Obviously, I mean, Brad's living proof. I don't know if I can teach somebody to do things exactly the way I do. I've tried. Um, uh, Brian, uh, I know when he was on the podcast a few weeks back, he talked about starting casting and then that. Well, that was here at the house. We were working side by side. I was, you know, get him, giving him some pointers, and. You know his stuff still comes out you know he was listening to me he was doing things the way i was instructing but his material still came out looking completely different than anything i make so it's i don't know if i could ever i'd have to find the perfect person and sign them to every like (laughs) (laughs) non-disclosure
0: yeah i definitely understand that well, man, I'm looking down at the at the timer. This is going to be our this is probably going to be our longest episode so far. And I, you know, oh
2: man, I still have like a half a page full of
0: notes. I'm going to call this <laughs> I'm going to call this the primary manipulation episode because I'm not ready to start cutting on the material yet. I keep finding stuff that's interesting. <laughs> um, first off, we got to probably start winding it up here in a few minutes, but uh, we want to thank you for taking the time out to come and talk to us or to be there and talk to us, I guess, as it were. Do it. Tell okay. us a little bit about um, your ordering process. If somebody was interested in ordering something from you, what is the best way to do that, to find you, all that good stuff?
2: Uh, carolinapincompany.com It has everything needed to get the ball rolling. Uh, if you're looking at blanks, um, Let's right talk now,
0: about the blanks. Yeah, let's talk about the blanks specifically.
2: Yes, that's what I'm getting the most questions <laughs> about. Um, as far as the blanks go, I am trying to limit what I call private custom orders, unless it's in a large quantity. I'm trying to tell people, let's do let's just go through the website. Sure. because if they only want one of this, two of that, three of this, it really slows down the production schedule. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep everything in stock at all times, and I'm finding that to be absolutely impossible. But I'm trying to, I want to try and stay on top of things as best as I can. So, under each product page, there's a sign up for notifications for when it's restocked. That is the number one fastest and easiest way to know when it's available. And I will say if it's primary manipulation or one of the variations (laughs) or any of the abalones, good luck. You get that email, you go buy it
0: (laughs) immediately.
1: Immediately. that's the only thing you buy don't go shopping around yeah uh, and, and add it to the cart pay and then go shop around later
2: check out immediately and then go back and shop um i yeah. and, and then i'll notice if there's a duplicate order from the same people i'll combine shipping refund differences i'll take care of all that in the background you just got you guys just get what you need as soon as you can
1: um, Let me tell you from personal experience. That's like extreme FOMO. You're on there, your heart's going, all the adrenaline. You're like, okay, I want this, I want this, I gotta add it. Oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta check out.
2: Yeah, and then it says no because somebody already bought something out.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I wish there was. I wish there was a way I could fix that in the backdoor system. There's just not. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. The first time you loaded everything on the website was probably one of the most stressful days I've had in the last <laughs> ten years. It seems <laughs> oh, like. Man. I mean, what did I, I think? I, I think it was fourteen or fifteen individual orders.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, it gosh. seriously was, and you know, and I, you know, people say, "Well, can you just tell me when when to expect it?" I'm like, Sign "Nope." Up for the notifications, that's why they're Which there. Is what I do I'll add all the inventory all at once. Yeah, and I have one button that says "click" it says "send all notifications."
0: Yeah, that's
2: awesome. Um, and that way, I don't have to accidentally forget to remind somebody when something's there or not. Um, takes that pressure off of me because I have enough of a hard time keeping up with all the little notes and odds and ends and things like that. Yeah. But if you're talking about ordering a pen, uh, I've actually tried to make that as simple as I can, uh, even just as much with a custom order form. Uh, there's a $50 non-refundable deposit to put a to get your name into the queue. Uh, no further uh, financial obligation until the pendant's finished. You've seen it and you're happy with it. And once you add it to the cart, the questioner will come up, fill it out as best you can. And uh, shortly before your time comes up in the queue, I'll get in touch, reconfirm all the information and we'll be good to go. Um, and then it's just wait until it's actually completed. Awesome. And... On top of that, there's also the custom nibs with the engraving. Um, I'm also offering custom nib engraving. Uh, It can be pretty much anything and everything you can imagine on a nib. And that goes for makers and users. You have a nib that's blank. You want, you know, to commemorate a special occasion. Uh, Just get in touch and we'll go from there as far as designing that part out as well
0: outstanding and you know it's good information especially for those people because i know you probably get a lot of hey what what do you want me to do to get a pin what do i have to do we all get di- uh direct messages on in instagram what do i need and, and i always have to say hey go check out my website here's an order form it works this way so and that's good to know um and you know it, it we're glad that you're still making the materials because you know i <laughs> it, just because <laughs> you know why <laughs> yeah, I know. Um
2: me, I know.
0: So on Instagram, you are at Carolina pen company,
2: Carolina pen company. Yes.
0: Okay. And um, uh,
2: that's my, uh, that's the business one. You could also do uh, Brooks double underscore eight zero three. If you want to uh, see a little bit more of the daily uh, normal life type stuff, you know, the outings with the family, you know, see that I actually am a human being and <laughs> not stuck at a desk casting or making something wrong. Right.
1: Your boss lets you out of the house every now and then. <laughs> yeah, my boss is
2: a prick. Let me just say. <laughs> well, you need to talk to him and tell him not to be a
1: jerk anymore.
2: I did, but he keeps tell- He keeps talking over me.
0: Man. <laughs> well, Jason, go oh, ahead and tell man. everybody how we can find your work.
1: So on Instagram, I've actually tried to make it a little simpler now. Um, I just updated my website, as many of you've seen, uh, but Instagram is Jason Neil Penworks. Oh. And then my website is also jasonnealpinworks dot com. Uh, the email still working on that, so it's jnpinworks at gmail dot com. Uh, but kind of like we've been saying, the best way to get in touch with me is through the website. Um, I do have a couple of commission slots left I put up, but they're going quick. So if you're interested, better. Uh, at least at the time of this recording, I think I have two left for this year.
2: Oh, that's uh, that's uh, that's one quick thing I want to touch on. Um, yeah, definitely. The, uh, the, the, the wait times etc
1: that's important uh,
2: for the uh, <laughs> for pins I'm um, minimum probably a year uh, It depends on the pin shows pin shows start back yeah. up yeah. it'll definitely be a year if pin shows don't show up and as far as uh, you know stay happy and healthy uh, that time will probably get get up a lot you know be taken care of a lot faster yeah. but on my uh, order form. At the very, very bottom, it has the time, you know, estimated time for completion 12 months. And there's a little check mark you have to put on there saying you see that you understand that. So just know going in, if it says a year, it probably will be a year. I will do, I always do my best to make it as soon as possible. But just know.
1: So if you're on the fence, you better just jump off the fence because if you wait until a year, it's going to be another year.
0: Right and yeah. and I'll blatantly admit I stole that one from you. I put that <laughs> I put that on my order form as well. <laughs> I agree to the turnaround time.
1: See, I just I just put on there now that it, it'll be done some point this year. I'm not yeah, giving you. Yeah. Hey, I used too. I used to it was it was kind of detrimental. I used to put on my invoices that uh, it might be around this time. Well, then you get stressed out if you're behind and then you can't do it. So now it's just this yep. year. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple. It's
2: it's, you know it's it's great to have. I mean, it's a good problem to have. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But it's still, you know, that added pressure. Yeah. It's just you know, if you need to be able to concentrate and do your best work, you don't need to worry about the five more you got to do the next day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a good way to do it.
0: So, if anybody's interested in anything from the Mythic Pen Company, uh, you can find me on Instagram at MythicPens. My email address is info, I-N-F-O, at MythicPens.com. The website address is also MythicPens.com. I have a pen models page, and down at the bottom of that page is a custom order form. Just click on that form and fill it out. Send me an email if you have any questions, that sort of thing, and we'll get it worked out. Uh, Jonathan, thanks for taking the time out of your evening to talk with us for a while.
2: I appreciate Thanks,
0: it. Thanks, man. You guys. And uh, if you're interested in more information about the podcast and where you can find it, uh, we've actually oh, I cannot forget to mention this. Jason and I have been talking about this for quite a while. We are going to release some information very soon about a sponsorship program, a, a membership program. We don't know which yeah. platform we're going to use, whether it's going to be Patreon or something similar. Uh, we're also going to be releasing some infor- information about sponsorships. So if you have a company or if anybody would like to sponsor the podcast. We're not trying to necessarily monetize and make a living off of this podcast. It costs us a certain amount of money every month to run it, um, and it's a lot of fun for us. We enjoy doing it. If you like hearing it, we'd ask that you, you become a member of, of whatever it is we end up doing. So we're going to release some, some, some information about that soon, probably via Instagram and our website. Um, we're going to start up a newsletter hopefully soon that we can get that information out that way as well. So keep an ear or an eye out either way for that. Or or an ear and an eye out, whatever uh, for that as well. And you can find us at the Pin Turns on Instagram. You can find us at www. dot com, or you can email us at thepinturns at gmail. dot com. You know, luckily we can only use one iteration of our podcast name because everything <laughs> else was taken. So you know that made it really easy across platforms. So if you're interested in anything, shoot us an email. Uh, you know, leave us a comment that's one of the best things I, I love reading reviews uh if you're on apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use uh rate us give us a five-star rating because we know that's what you want to do deep down inside yeah deep down inside you want to give us the uh, the most outstanding review possible so for all of us here at the pen turns again jonathan thanks for for speaking with us it was a great interview had a good time
2: oh yeah loved
0: it. learned a lot so jason you know what do we say we uh throw on some outro music and go make some pens right on